You can have a seat. If you ask people in a church, just any church, why does this church exist? You'll get a lot of answers. Some people will say something like, we want to glorify God, or maybe they'll say, we want to reach the lost, and that might be true, but if you dig a little deeper and ask people a few more questions and maybe drill down on some things like the way money is spent or time and resources are spent, you might find out that there are other purposes at work. For some, for some churches, what you find out is that the church exists just to sort of keep the members happy. We just do things not to upset the apple cart. We don't want to get out of hand here. We'll just, everybody stay calm, and that's why we're here. Well, that doesn't seem to be anywhere in the Bible. You might say that some churches, if you look at their budgets and the way they live their Christian life together, that it's about keeping a minister employed. And it's all about, well, we need somebody here for funerals and weddings and sermons are good. And while ministers love the idea of ministers being employed, that is also not something we find as a biblical purpose for the existence of a church. In really small communities especially, we find that some churches exist sort of be the, the community center. I mean, that's the place that they get, where people gather. That's the, where the leaders of the community are. It's a, it's a place where the community can come and get things done. Again, is that a bad thing? No. But it doesn't exactly seem to be what the Bible describes as the reason for a church to be there. So, you know, several years ago, our church leaders came together and we thought about, okay, what does the Bible actually say about what our mission should be as the church? And we came down to just two very simple sentences that are based on the teaching of Jesus, which is this, love God, love others. It's really that simple. That's what we want to accomplish. That's the church that we want to be day in and day out in this community. And then we thought about strategy. How do we fulfill that mission? And we wanted it to be equally simple, and so three words come to mind. Gather, grow, and go. And we've been talking about that in this series that I've called Back to Basics, and we really have gone to the basics of who we are. And so two weeks ago, we talked about gathering, gathering in this room for worship for the purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus. Some of that's done in song or in prayer, gathering around the table, and certainly opening God's Word together. So that, that's our gathering. And then, and then we want to grow. So we come together at times to develop deeper connections with one another and our connection with God, and that's all about developing those relationships. And, and that's what our church-wide study that begins next Sunday night, Beyond, is all about. And let me encourage you to register for that on your way out on the computer or on the uh, forms out there, just so we know you're coming next Sunday night. Great way to take that next step. And then this week we come to go, getting out in the community serving people and, and bringing them in so that they can know Jesus. And the truth is, for some of us, we have to admit, this might be the one that's the most difficult, the one that's the most uncomfortable. You know, as I think back to my childhood growing up in church, like the, the most comfortable place for me outside of my home and maybe my grandparents' home was the church building. Like a lot of kids in our church that go to Vision Way Christian School, I went to school up through sixth grade in the same building where I went to church. And so I was there during the school year, six days a week. And on Sunday, we were there every Sunday for worship. We had Sunday school before. We came back on Sunday night for worship. We were there Wednesday night for Bible study. So like I was familiar with this place like no other. 
I knew every closet, every hallway, every classroom, the worship space, foyers, staircases. I knew everything about that building because I was there so much. And you know, I was super comfortable there. I loved the feeling of the building when it was empty and quiet. And I loved the feeling of the the building filling up as people came in for worship or study or, or other events. That was awesome for me. And the the people who were there were the pillars of my childhood, the people that it felt like would always be there. And so it was really comfortable. And maybe you know what that's like. Maybe this building is is really comfortable for you. Partly because you come here for worship and and you meet friends and maybe family who are part of the church and you see each other and greet each other and you enjoy being together and, and hopefully you find encouragement in, in what happens in this place and you keep coming back and, and it is comfortable. And maybe you're the kind of person who's here for school or for, for something going on in the life of the church during the week and so this is a familiar place. And, and again, it's, it's one of the most comfortable rooms, comfortable buildings in your life. And maybe because of that, it's a little uncomfortable when we think about going out, doing something in the community. Because it's, it's so great here, it's a little hard to go out there because we know that, that out in the world, maybe people think a little different, approach life a little different. Maybe we might even face some opposition. And so we have a little fear of going out into the community and making a difference there. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? I want us to think about that today in this last, in this Back to Basics series. And to do that, I want us to turn to a story we find in Luke's Gospel, this account of Jesus' life. It's in chapter 10, right at the beginning of the chapter. To back up just a little bit, in chapter 9, Jesus has just taught, okay, you know, it's not always easy to be my disciple. In fact, there's cost involved. You're going to have to give some stuff up. And Jesus lays some of that out. And then we find Luke recording this story about Jesus saying, it's not just about us gathering up, it's about us doing something. So we begin, Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord, talking about Jesus, appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place he was about to go. So Jesus gathers this group together. It's not just the 12 disciples who become the apostles. It's a larger group, 72 people, that Jesus says, okay, I've got a job for you to do. I want you to go ahead of me, and I want you to prepare the way for me. Now, a couple things stand out to me in this verse. The first is this. If they're going two by two, and there's 72 of them, if I'm doing my math right, Jesus plans 36 places that he's going. Now to me, that's ambitious. Jesus is on the move. He's doing something. This is urgent. He's passionate about it. So that stands out. Second, the language there says that he sent them out. And the word for sent is the word that we get our English word apostle from. It has a Greek root and it means basically one sent. Now, if you take the Greek word, you get apostle. If you take a Latin root that means one cent, you get the word missionary. Okay? So when you're going out in the world, in a way, you're a modern-day apostle or missionary if you're doing something for Jesus in the world. So Jesus has prepared them. 
They are going to then go out and prepare the way for Jesus sharing this message that he's coming, that there's something at hand. And then verse 2, <clears throat> he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus uses this metaphor, image of, of harvest, to talk about people who need to know about him. What I see Jesus doing is, is looking out across the land of Palestine, ancient Israel, and he's seeing all these people who have this need and this expectation. Okay, these people knew the words of the prophet. They knew that God was an active God who had something planned. And they are sort of expecting God to fulfill those promises. The promises to send the Messiah, the anointed one, the king, who would change everything for them. And, and he sees these people in need spiritually of God to be at work in their lives. And in Jesus' mind, it's a little bit like a harvest. This great potential for what is about to happen. And so he sends them out into this harvest to make a difference. And then verse 3, the word we have for today. Go, Jesus says, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's not always going to be easy. You know, you just might face a little bit of opposition. And Jesus is saying, don't be shocked. It's okay. God is still with you, even if you have some opposition in this. Now, as I read through that story, I think some of us might want to say to Jesus, you know, I'm not sure you've got this right. I'm not sure that you're not missing a leadership principle, because you see, what we know is that Jesus had three years with his disciples. Three years from Hey, I'm the Messiah. You don't know that yet, but let me tell you to death, burial, resurrection, ascension, Jesus is gone. Now, three years is not a long time. And, and only for a few of them, not all the 72, but only the 12, would Jesus sort of be there day by day. The rest, he's got to pick time up along the way. So we want to say to Jesus, don't you think your time would be better spent with these disciples gathering them all together and like taking every opportunity, every moment to build into them, to teach them what they need to know because these people are going to be the ones to lead the church once you're gone. And if they're not prepared, nothing's going to happen. And here you are, you're sending them out when you could be time, spending time building them up. But that wasn't Jesus' approach. Now, my guess is it's for a couple reasons, maybe more, but I'm pretty sure part of what's going on is Jesus saying, okay, part of your training, part of your preparation for when I'm gone is to do what you're going to do when I'm gone. And what you're going to do is go. What you're going to do is leave the confines of Jerusalem. Leave what is comfortable. Leave our huddle together and go. And that is what happened. They went all over the Roman Empire and even beyond that, tradition tells us, to share the message of Jesus with people who didn't know him. And so they did go. And what Jesus is doing now is preparing them. He didn't want to just huddle up. He wanted them to sort of be like an apprentice and go out 
and learn what they could when they went out and then come back and debrief. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus sent them out to prepare the way. They came back and then they talked about how God was at work in them when they went out. That's a good plan. My guess is that also, because of what we see in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus also just wanted people to know. He had this great message of God's love and grace and forgiveness and the kingdom of God breaking into the world. And he wanted everyone to know what was up. He wanted them to know that God was at work. And it strikes me that that's part of the very nature of Jesus. And it's important for us to see it. Because you see, Jesus was all about inviting people in. He was all about bringing people into what he was doing. And that sets him apart from a lot of the teachers, the rabbis of his day. Because a lot of people in Jesus' day were all about being really good at drawing lines and circles. And what I mean by that is this. They love to draw lines and say, if you cross this line, you're out. If you cross this line, you're no good to God. You're, you're done. And they love to draw circles around themselves and the people closest to them and say, okay, we're on the inside. And if you're not one of us, if you're not in our circle, you're out. You're no good. Lines and circles. And instead of doing that, what Jesus did was to go out and invite people in. Jesus went out and talked to the prostitutes and the tax collectors and the people that everyone in the culture called sinners, and he invited them in. The people that everyone else ignored, Jesus brought them in. Now, Jesus was unafraid to speak truths that are difficult. Jesus was unafraid to call people to a higher moral standard. Jesus was unafraid to ask people to change, to give up a life that they were living for something better. In fact, that was Jesus' message. Your life, your eternity can be better than what you're doing today. And you can change. But Jesus didn't draw the line and say, because you're over there, it's just too bad. Instead, he brought people in. And that's part of the message for us today. In fact, it's what I want us to take away from this passage. Invite people in. That's the message. Invite people in. Follow the example of Jesus. When we go into the world, the point is, not to draw a line and say, you're out and I'm in, or draw a circle and say, hey, we're the holy huddle. You're not really invited till you look just like us. Our goal is to go out and invite people in. That's a little scary for us. It's a little uncomfortable. Because some of the things that come to mind are, are people standing on street corners with signs that say, turn or burn. And, and that's not what I'm talking about, because that doesn't help. What I'm talking about is what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Next Sunday, October 6th, is Invite Your One Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to reach beyond these walls in a way to go out and to invite people to be part of what we're doing here. To say to a parent, a child, maybe a spouse, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, just say, come to church with me. Just come and worship. 
And that's a pretty simple invitation. And that's what we're asking you to do. And to write their name on a card, put it on the banner out here so we can be praying about that and, and to show our, our sort of our effort together to make this happen. But you know, as we think about that, and, and I think about the potential for this and how many people's lives could be changed, maybe a couple questions come to your mind. Maybe one question is, well, the person I'm thinking of inviting, what are, what are people going to think? I mean, what, what are people in the church going to think if I invite that person? Because they've got this thing going on in their lives and I'm not sure about that and I'm not sure what people will think of me or think of them. Here's what I think. I think it would be awesome if they came to church with you. I think it would be awesome no matter where they are in their walk, no matter where they are and what they've done, the baggage they bring with them when they come into this room, the struggle that they're going through. I think it'd be awesome if they were here because of what God offers. That life can be different. That there is the possibility, the hope of recovery, of change, and of eternal life. And the other question some people might be asking is, and maybe a little more simple, what if I invite someone and they say no? Well, what if? What if you invite someone and they say no? Well, if they do, it's okay. You don't have to take it personally. And it might be the first of several invitations before things change. There will be some people who say no. And it's okay. But the more important question is this. What if they say yes? What if they say yes and they come in this place next Sunday and they recognize that Man, there's some things I didn't know were going on in church. And they didn't just beat me up for money because we're not going to do that. But they come in contact with the power of God. Not because of the ability of someone standing up here either speaking or singing, but because of the power of the Spirit of God. People recognize this person that you invite recognizes that a life spent following Jesus Christ, and that may be a life of hope I've never explored. And that, that God has something better in store for me. A better life now. And an eternity spent with Him. What if they say yes and everything changes. Here's what I know for sure. If we don't ask, they don't have an opportunity to say yes. If we don't ask, the answer's already no. And so I'm hoping that you've been thinking about who to invite. Maybe you've already made that invitation. 
In fact, we've had a couple people over the past couple weeks come to me before church and say, this is my one. I invited them early. Is that okay? The answer is yes. It's always okay. All right? It is always okay to invite someone to bring with you to church. That is awesome, as a matter of fact. Every Sunday is really invite your one Sunday. But next week, we've got a special week because of this program. And I want you to think about who to invite if you haven't done that. You know, we don't have a lot of family here because, you know, we're from out of state. Our family's all in various other states. And so we, we've thought about the people that we know and, and the people we live near are the ones we know. And so I'm hoping one of them will be with us next Sunday. I don't know who your one is, but I'm hoping that you've thought about it and you've prayed about it. And you know, this really could make a difference in the life of that person. We've been spending some time praying about this over the past few weeks. Lots of people have, staff and elders and our prayer team. And, and this morning, as a part of our worship, I've asked a, a couple of our prayer team members to come up. Uh, Teresa St. Louis and Bill Siders are both here. I think there they are. Okay. And they're part of our prayer team, which is a larger group. But, but they're going to lead us in prayer as we think about next Sunday and what God can be doing in the life of this church. But even bigger than that, what God can be doing in this community because you invite someone to be here with you. Let's stand together and, and allow them to lead us in prayer.
I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to be here next Sunday and who, uh, who, you, who you have invited and have the opportunity to meet them and then to share with them God's message. Let's continue to worship and we'll finish in prayer.